Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Good to be together. And um, for those of you, uh, uh, we've not met, my name's Simon. I'm just going to speak to us for a few minutes today about this amazing thing that we are celebrating. And if you are new here, it might feel a little bit strange to you that we are jumping around and celebrating with hands in the air this claim that Jesus is alive. (laughs) Jesus is alive. That's the thing. That's the news that we have to declare. And across the world, 2.4 billion people will be celebrating that fact today that Jesus is alive. And here's the thing. You can describe our situation with three circles. Here's the first one. This world is broken. Anyone read the news? Anyone lived this life long enough to realize this world is broken? Is it just me? This world is broken, and the more we see, the more we go through life, we realize the brokenness of this world. And the fact is, we try and escape that brokenness through relationships and and money and career, but ultimately, we still end up in the same place. This world is broken broken. And this is where the second circle comes in, because some of us rightly will have the question, why would God design a broken world? And the Bible answer to that is, he didn't. The world he designed is good, and it's perfect, and it's God's plan. In fact, the word they use in the Bible is called his kingdom. Do you want to just put that on the, on the screen? So God's design was this perfect world, this place of beauty and perfection, and yet We are living in a world that's not like that. And the reason for that is our sin, the sin of mankind. That's what the Bible talks about. It says this sin, our rebellion against God, that all of us, I know we want to blame everyone else, but all of us are responsible for that brokenness. We all live in it, but we've all caused it. The brokenness in relationships, the brokenness in the world. In fact, the Bible says the whole world is groaning because of the weight of our sin, groaning under it. But God didn't want us to leave us in that situation, which is why he sent Jesus. And this is where you get the third circle. And Jesus came and he lived his life and he showed us a different way. He died and he rose again on the third day, which is today. And we, thank you, and we celebrate that fact from this Point, from that point forward, that Jesus rose from the, from, the, from the grave, showing that there was a way out of the brokenness. If death itself was defeated, then there's an end to this. There is a way through. And the way we enter into that revelation, into that story, is that we repent. That's what the Bible says. It means to turn away from God, from, from our sin, and we turn towards God in belief. We believe in Jesus. And if we do that, we then can be filled with his presence, his spirit, and we can grow, and then we can go and partner with God to bring his kingdom onto the earth, one life at a time. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the good news, the gospel. That's what we believe. And if you're a Christian here this morning and have not been trained to share the gospel with someone, that three-circle way is quite a good way of doing it. You can look it up on YouTube, three-circle gospel. You can use that method to share the gospel. But it all pivots on this point, doesn't it? It pivots on this point. Is the resurrection true? Is the resurrection true? That's the pivot point of the whole story. Is the resurrection true? And in one sense, if you think about it, it's a bit mad, isn't it? That here we are 2,000 years later, believing that a guy died and rose from the dead. 
It's a little bit mad. Like, you know, the great philosopher Blackadder used to say, it's madder than Mad Jack McMad, winner of last year's Mr. Mad competition. It's mad to believe in this. And yet, across history, billions of people would testify, I believe that he rose from the dead and that Jesus is alive. And this room and these stories we've heard will be a whole new group of people who signed up to that. They believe that he is alive and that he rose from the dead. So what we're going to do is we're going to open the scriptures together and read one of the greatest stories ever told, if not, in fact, the greatest story ever told from John chapter 20. We've got a long passage to read, but you'll see as we read it, you can't shortcut this story. So Caroline's going to come and read it to us. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciples um, started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and he looked in and he saw the linen wrappings lying there but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrapping lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that, had said, that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds on his hands and his, in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgive, forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wounds in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. 
put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous things in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Wow. Thank you, Caroline. So good. Yeah. So good. So three ways, three people in that story, the greatest story ever told, how they came to believe in the resurrection. The first is this. Some came to faith when they look at the evidence. That was John's story. He was the one who wrote this eyewitness account. And we know it was him because he includes really, really important historical details like, I was the one who outran Peter to the tomb. <laughs> and he records it twice. And the guy who got there faster than Peter, the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> I mean, this guy, John, there was a whole lot of stuff you could have put in there, but he wanted us to really know I was super fast at running. And it's been recorded for 2,000 years for us to remember. It's actually funny, but it's also interesting. It's one of the reasons that historians know that this is an eyewitness account because just a generic historical account written years later wouldn't have had those details and wouldn't have included those details. This is John's eyewitness account, and he says, when I saw the stone rolled away, when I saw the empty tomb, when I saw the grave clothes folded up, I believed. I believed. Some believe when they see the evidence, and you've got all sorts of evidence. You've got the evidence of the empty tomb which people have spilt so much ink, written thousands and thousands of word, words over. What other explanations could there be for this empty tomb? The body disappeared. Where did it go? What's the explanation? John saw it and he believed. Then you've got the evidence of the resurrection appearances. Over 5,000 people saw, I'm sorry, over 500 people claimed to see Jesus raised from the dead. And these weren't just those who were kind of friendly towards him. These were the skeptics and cynics like Paul, who was, who was, took part in murdering Christians who believed this, and then he himself decided, no, I believe that Jesus is raised from the dead. He changed his mind. You've got people like Jesus's own brother. Who here's got a brother who thinks he's God? Anyone who believes him. But Jesus' own brother was a skeptic who then actually died on the testimony that his own brother was raised from the dead and was God himself. There's the evidence of the women. In those days, women couldn't even give testimony in court. If you were making this story up, you would not have put Mary right at the center of the story. You just wouldn't have put her there because her testimony wouldn't have been believed. As if you read the story, people doubted her testimony. You just wouldn't have put her there if you were making up this story. You'd have put somebody else in that position to witness the resurrection. But of course, it's an important point because Eve was the first woman who carried the lie to Adam that caused this mess. And so Mary is the first woman who brings the truth of the resurrection. It's just a beautiful, redemptive moment for all of us in that story. And then you've got the evidence of the rise of Christianity out of nothing. You read it in the story. These guys were fearful of death, fearful of persecution, locked away. And then within a few moments, after they met the risen Lord Jesus and were filled with the Holy Spirit, they burst out of this room and they turned the known world 
upside down, uneducated fishermen and manual laborers turn the known world upside down such that within 300 years, the Roman Empire itself, which had withstood the resistance of multiple nations, had conquered the known world of their day, was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I saw and believed, said John. He saw the evidence. He looked at the evidence. And, you know, through history, people have gone on that same journey. In the 18th century, there was a guy called Gilbert West. And he did not like that his friends were turning and becoming Christians. And so he thought, I'm going to write a book to show them that they're wrong. So he started investigating and he wrote a book disproving the resurrection. However, halfway through, he had so much evidence that he himself became a Christian, rewrote his book and recorded it for us as a book proving the resurrection or claiming to, to, um, uh, to show the evidence for the resurrection. In the 19th century, there was a man called Lou Wallace who wrote a book. He only didn't get halfway through. He got to the end of chapter four. And by the end of chapter four, he had seen so much evidence that he too became a Christian rewrote his book, and that book became the basis of the movie that some of us will have seen, very old movie, called Ben-Hur. His book was the basis for that movie. And in the 20th century, lawyer and journalist Frank Morrison, he wrote a book trying to disprove Christianity. He got so much evidence that by the time he was halfway through, he too had become a Christian, and he had changed the name of his book to Who Moved the Stone as a book showing and laying out the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, the moral of the story is, if you want to encounter Jesus, try and write a book disproving the resurrection. <laughs> Investigate it thoroughly, and you will see what happens. Historian Ian Blakelock wrote this, the evidence for the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus is better authenticated than most of the facts of all human history. So some people come to faith when they look at the resurrection, when they look at the evidence for the resurrection, and they believe Jesus is alive because of it. But you know, not all of us are like that. Not all of us like all the detail and the reading and the study. And that's why I think Jesus includes two other people in this story. Because some come to faith just when they hear his voice. That was Mary's story, wasn't it? This guy that she thought was the gardener. Sir, what have you done with the body? And then he turns to her, Mary. And she says, Rabboni. In that moment, she knew and she believed. Just one word from God can change your life forever. Just one word from God. And some people, they come to believe in the resurrection because they hear his voice. We, we've seen it time and time again. And Caroline, I remember telling me there was a lady who did Alpha with her. She was a lawyer. She argued week after week after week, absolutely slamming Christians, Christianity, week after week, doubting, doubting. And then one week, she comes back, I've become a Christian. <laughs> How? I encountered Jesus, I heard his voice. <laughs> Some people come to faith because they just hear his voice. There was a guy at the university, Steve was telling me, who leads that site, the university location. He was at the back of the room as people were worshipping. No one was around him, and he heard someone call his name. He looked around. There was no one there. 
He's now given his life to follow Christ. He heard the audible voice of God. Not everyone hears, hears the audible voice of God. I've had at least five people that I've known in my life who that's how they came to faith in Christ. They heard God speak to them audibly. But sometimes people hear his voice through other people. I was um, talking in a meeting like this one time and a lady, she came up at the end, she was Muslim background and she wanted to give her life to Christ. And I asked her, why do you want to respond to Christ today? And she said, because when you were speaking, it was like you were only speaking to me. I heard God speaking to me through you. Some of you will have done, even as you heard the testimonies this morning, you, you knew that you were in a crowd of people, but it was like they were just talking to you. That's so often the voice of God. And sometimes we hear the voice just in our hearts. The Bible calls it the still, small voice of God. That's probably the most common way that people hear his voice. Jesus said, I am a good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. Meh. <laughs> Give me a little back. Meh. <laughs> I mean, it's funny but it's actually important because, here's the point, we can so easily get locked up in our own heads and our own trying to work it all out. Anyone relate to this? Just trying to make it all work. And in our own pride and our own thinking, just trying to piece it all together desperately. But Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you become like a little child, Sheep. Meh. There's a humility that I think it takes to hear the voice of God. That's not saying to God, you owe me an explanation, but that's saying, God, I want to meet with you. God, I want to hear your voice. God, if you're out there, speak to me. And it's that place of humility, like a little lamb, that hears the voice of the good shepherd that hears his voice speaking into their hearts. So some come to believe in the resurrection because of the evidence, and they study and they study and they come to that place. Some come to believe because of the voice of God. They hear the voice of Jesus, and they know that he's alive. Some come to believe when they encounter Jesus. That was Peter's story. We read that. That was Thomas's story. He was doubting the whole thing. I love that the Bible includes these details. It wasn't everyone signed up straight away. No, no, no. This was a guy who doubted the whole thing. Later to die in India for his faith. Planted in the modern church that we can trace back today goes back to Thomas. But his story starts with doubt and skepticism. Even his, 12, even his 11 best friends, 12, 10 best friends couldn't convince him that Jesus was raised from the dead. Don't believe it unless I'm there and can witness it myself. Fair enough. A few days later, there he is. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wounds in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas exclaimed, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Some of you from, I just, this, is a, oh, this isn't in my notes, but just think about that. Some of you who are from uh, India or have got Indian heritage and you're wrestling with family members who won't come through to faith in Christ. Just think about that. The person who first brought the message to India was the one who doubted and yet who had the greatest revelation of who Christ was. 
Just believe that for your family. Believe that for the people that you know and you love. And we might say, well, it's okay for them, you know. You know, they saw the risen Lord Jesus. No wonder they believe. But this is what Jesus says in John 20, we just read. Have you believed because you've seen me? There's a special blessing for those who have not seen and have yet believed. The thing is this, I can't see the wind, but I can feel its power. I can't see gravity, but I can feel its strength. I can't see electricity, but when I put my finger in the socket, I know all about it. (laughs) You encounter the Lord so often through his life and his power. Some of you encounter his tangible presence. Some people encounter his tangible presence. Like we had a leaders weekend here in the building recently. And uh, we were full on in worship. And Mike, who is in part of our facilities team, was touring around with some people. And they said, what's going on in there? And Mike, I'm not sure I would have done this, but Mike said, why don't we go and see? (laughs) And brings these two ladies in to witness full on worship, going for it in the middle of the work week. And one of them immediately began to weep as she was touched by the presence of God. Something different is in the room. Some encounter his tangible presence. Some encounter him in dreams and in visions. Like the, the guy I was chatting to one time, how did you come to faith in Christ? I said, if you want to ever be, if you're feeling discouraged as a Christian, just ask people how they came to faith in Christ. It just will lift your spirits. So I always ask people when I can, how do you come to faith in Christ? So I asked him and he said, well, my wife became a Christian I'd always been uh, an atheist, I resisted um, uh, anything to do with religion, and then my, my own wife, under my, own, my very nose, came to faith in Christ. And, and he said, I was so annoyed, so frustrated, so angry, and I fought with her, and we argued about it day after day, week after week, month after week, month, and then one day, I had a dream. And in the dream, Jesus himself baptized me. And I woke up the next day, and I said, I think you might be right. <laughs> so that's how he came to faith. Some encounter him through dreams and visions. That's why I love, when I'm around people who are not, who are not following Jesus, I always ask them if I can about their dreams. Because so often I've found God has spoken to people through their dreams. Some encounter through his power to heal, like a woman I prayed for a few years ago, riddled with rheumatoid arthritis. She'd had it for 10 years. We prayed Two minutes later, she was totally pain-free. She'd had pain for a decade and was totally pain-free. Like the guy I met in the Middle East, and I asked him, he'd come from a Muslim background, I asked him, how did you come to faith in Christ? He said, well, you see my son, and we were in a kind of worship setting. His son was at the front dancing and worshipping like crazy. You see my son? I said, yeah. He said, well, my son was paralyzed after breaking his spine in three places. I took him to every doctor I could find, and they all said, he's, there's nothing we can do, he's paralyzed. I took him to every mosque in the vicinity. They prayed for him, nothing changed. And then out of desperation, even against my better judgment, I took him to church. There was a small church in my a- a town, so I took him to the church. They prayed for him. Immediately he jumped up, he was healed, and that's how he's been ever since. <laughs> he was healed and set free. So we encounter Jesus through the evidence, we encounter him through his voice, we encounter him through the encounter itself. That's how so many across history have come to believe that Jesus is alive and the resurrection is a fact. And it changes everything.
everything. It changes everything. Just a few things, just from this story that we can pull out, that how people were changed by the resurrection. Just, just a, this is just a few illustrations from just one small story that we read. Just pop them up on the screen. Into our depression and darkness. You can imagine the people, how depressed, how dark. They'd lost the Messiah and yet it says, they were filled with joy. <laughs> Into confusion and despair, Jesus says, peace be with you. Into a lack of purpose, hopelessness, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Every one of us as Christians should come to Jesus and receive fresh purpose, fresh commissioning. No one of us are just a number. We are all have got a special calling in God into their sense of powerlessness and weakness, Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. You're no longer on your own. You're supercharged. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm supercharged. <laughs> You're supercharged by the Holy Spirit. It's you, but it's not you. It's you supercharged. I was going to say on steroids, but that's got all sorts of complications. <laughs> it's you supercharged into their sense of guilt and sin, he said their sins will be forgiven. And not only did he say that for them, he gave them the message of forgiveness for others to carry. And into their inevitable death, and all the people that witnessed this story, they're all dead. But Jesus said this, by believing in him, you will have life. If it's true, the resurrection changes everything. If Jesus is alive, then every problem that we face as people has been fixed in him, even death itself. Can I get a hallelujah or an amen or something? Thank you, Jesus. It changes everything. So going back to our three circles, where are you in those circles? Are you still in brokenness? You never really heard this message or never really responded to it before and you're still living with that sense of brokenness, then this is a great morning, Easter Sunday, to come to know Christ and to put your trust in him. Or are you stepped into, have you stepped into Jesus, God's plan through Christ to partner with him, to pray with him, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'd love to just pray for us as we come in for a landing and pray for Jesus to come and touch our hearts so if if you are if you're in that situation where you know what i've never responded to christ i get it for the first time and i want to follow him today then just let's close our eyes shall we and i want you to pray this prayer with me let's pray this prayer together jesus come be my savior come wash me clean. Jesus, come. Take my guilt and my shame and make me new. I choose today to follow you. I choose today to join with you to be part of the solution to 
to this broken world. I choose today to follow you to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.